Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. First, we're going to take a step back and study the big picture of how Acts fits into crucial transitions found in Scripture. Second, we will take a look at how the apostles handled the need when it was discovered that the widows of Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Infant Church Takes First Steps, Part 1. Well, okay, let's come back to the book of Acts, where we have uh, gotten a good start. We are now this morning arriving at Acts chapter 6, and uh, we're just going to take a look at the beginning of this chapter today. But I want to take you back to something we saw when we began our study of the book of Acts, when we were introducing it, that this book records the historical unfolding of crucial transitions. It records a period of transition, about 30 years long, a little bit more than that, maybe. And these transitions are very important in the uh, development of the, the redemptive program of God. First is the transition from the Gospels to the Epistles. There's a reason why the book of Acts sits between the four Gospels and the, the, the rest of the New Testament. The church was predicted by Jesus in Acts, or sorry, in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, in Acts, it is beginning to be unfolded, but it's fully established in the epistles. But we have the beginning of it here. We saw the first, word, first use of the word church in Acts chapter 3. So we know the church is now a thing, but the full doctrine of the church as the body of Christ comprised of Jews and Gentiles and there being this plan then for Israel uh, and all the promises God is going to fulfill to them, like we're reading in Romans 9, 10, and 11, um, that's primarily explained in the letters of Paul. Our passage today shows a small step in that process of that transition. There's also the big one, the transition from Judaism to Christianity, to use the terminology of, Galatians, of Colossians chapter 2 and of Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, the shadow give way, gives way to the reality. There's also the transition from the Mosaic law being that which, um, which uh, governs worship to the church age as a whole. The purpose of the law of Moses was to lead people to faith in Christ. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. The law is a tutor to lead us to the Savior. The law actually separated Jews from Gentiles culturally, and so it required time and teaching and effort and patience to bring Jews and Gentiles together in one body, the church. 
And of course, the foundation of that is being transformed by Christ. Then there's the transition from the ministry of Christ to the ministry of His agents. The New Testament opens with the Gospels. The central uh, character, of course, is Jesus Christ. He Himself ministers and teaches in the Gospels. The book of Acts records the transition from His own ministry to the ministry of the apostles and those who followed the apostles. And remember how Jesus at a couple of times, sent the twelve out in teams of two, and then He sent seventy out in teams of two. He was laying the groundwork for this transition from Him to His agents. And again, Acts is the bridge. Then there's the transition from Israel as the center of the activity of God to the entire world. And today, we're going to begin to major on part of that transition from Judaism to Christianity and from Israel to the church. Jesus announced the beginning of the new covenant when He instituted the Lord's Supper celebration to replace the Passover celebration. Remember that night before He went to the cross? And He changed the ritual and He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The very next day on the cross, as He died giving His blood, uh, my blood is a metonym for giving His life. As He gave His life, then He cried out from the cross, it is finished. And at that point, the sacrifice was complete. He had borne the sins. He had, received, he had incurred the wrath of God. And God, at that moment, remember, dramatically ripped the veil in two from top to bottom, that, that prevented anyone from accessing the Holy of Holies to symbolize that now anyone could come into the presence of God. So the new covenant was begun. And from that day on, all that went on in the temple was like, and I thought of a metaphor today or this, this week, I'm going to invent this term. The temple from the time of the death and resurrection of Christ until its destruction was one giant spiritual lame duck session. See, the new covenant has arrived. The Savior has come. The gospel, by the time we get to Acts 6, is rampaging through Jerusalem. But the unique idea of the church is just beginning to take shape. So we're going to see the infant church take its first steps. Now, Marcia and I had a perfect living illustration a couple of weeks ago. We got to meet our first granddaughter. She is the cutest baby that has been born, at least in this millennium. She is absolutely adorable. I want to go back and see her uh, again and again. But you know what? She's not good for much. <laughs> she doesn't do chores. She won't wash dishes. Her, her math is abominable. Her pronunciation is non-existent. Well, you don't expect an infant to be mature, right? Well, we're talking about the infant church here, and we're going to see, if you will, a couple of baby steps, maybe one significant baby step. And this passage is full of many applications to us. So I'm going to take my time, go slowly, get started, make a case for something else today, uh, or something uh, ancillary to this today, and then we'll wrap it up next time we come back to this uh, chapter. So before we dive into the specifics of the chapter, I'd like you to take a step back with me and 
view a big picture of the very early development of the church. Before spiritual construction on the church began, Jesus had to die, rise again, and ascend to the Father. Then He had to fulfill His promise to send the Holy Spirit, which is recorded in Acts chapter 2. And He said, and when that happens... Oh, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem and Judea, which we're seeing now, and then to Samaria, coming soon in a chapter near you in the book of Acts, and then to the remotest parts of the world, to the, to the Gentiles. So, some miracles accompanied the arrival of the Holy Spirit when it came in chapter 2, and then there was that sermon by Peter that led to the repentance and the baptism of 3,000 people. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then, that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Just six verses later, 247, we are told, the Lord was adding to the number day by day those who were being saved. Chapter 4, Verse 4, a little interlude of some persecution of Peter and John in chapter 3. Then in chapter 4, verse 4, the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And in that comment, the word men isn't the word for people, it's the word for males. So that doesn't include women and children. This thing's getting big. And then chapter 5, verse 14, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Now, sneak preview, in the passage that we're coming to today, you're going to see two more statements like that. Verse 1 of chapter 6, now at this time the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint arose among the part, on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. We'll get to that last part in a minute. It's still multiplying. Chapter 6, verse 7, The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the Lord. Now, that's pretty cool. We'll talk about that too. Now, I cite all that to begin to build a case to address a a modern idea that needs to be refuted. It's an idea that's not healthy for local churches. And I have friends in the ministry who actually believe this, but it's not good. It's the belief that the idea of church membership is unbiblical. And it's not right, therefore, to ask people to become designated, recognized as members of a local church. Now, okay... I will grant there is no verse that says you must go through a process to become a member of your local church, sign on the dotted line or whatever it might be. But you know, there's also no verse that says to brush your teeth or to change the oil in your car or to register for the draft or that you need a driver's license. The lack of a specific verse is a terribly weak argument against church membership. You see, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a member of your church. The the Greek word that's translated member describes a part of the body. 
we speak of dismembership, which I highly recommend against. It means losing a piece of your body, right? If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.